Mira la izquierda. Mira la derecha. ¿Qué ves? ¿Dónde estás? In a world that seems to change daily, what will you do next? Welcome to the Next Steps Show with Peter Vesquez and co-host Aisha Kreutz. A starting point for discussion y un poco de dirección. Show Next Steps. Welcome, everybody. It's me, Peter Vasquez, and Aisha Kreitz. We're a show on a mission. What do we want to? What are we on a mission to do? Well, uh, we're on a mission to help people learn how to have civil discourse civil with discourse. Uh, faith, entrepreneurship, and, and politics. We're creating synergy, ladies and gentlemen, so please join us as we introduce our guest, Larry Sharp. He is a candidate for the New York State Governor. He is the candidate for New York State Governor. That works. The candidate for New York State Governor. Hi, Larry. Hey, how are you doing? I appreciate that, yes. Uh, thank you for being on. We appreciate you taking the time. I can't imagine how busy you must be. Well, actually, I can because... Running my wife's campaign has been a full-time job plus. Yeah, it's it's crazy busy. Um, but the reality of it is when you're not a mainstream candidate, you actually have to work harder, right? Because you've got you've to work four times as hard for half the return because having that mainstream candidacy does give you a lot of gravitas across media. So when I get media, I try to take it. When I get even underground media, I tend to take it, which means I have to work a bit harder. I accept it by now. But you know what makes that really unique is that it forces you. And, and listen, you're, you're preaching to the choir, brother, here. We know about, you know, working uh, uh, at the grassroots and, yeah. uh, and being ignored. And, and sometimes even running on some of the major uh, or, or, or one of the two major political parties. But that gives sure. us the opportunity. If you're not the establishment person, <laughs> excuse me, you still pay the price, right? Even if you're a major party, but if you're not the establishment candidate, you still pay the price. It's very true. It's harder. But there's an advantage to this. And I think it's exactly what your show is about. It's about having real conversations, right? If you are an establishment candidate, you'll say something like, well, I travel all around. Yeah, you travel from fundraiser to fundraiser to fundraiser, <laughs> which means you're traveling, but you're not really meeting people. You're meeting people who are writing you checks, which is great. I'm jealous of that. However, uh. when you're not mainstream, you're actually meeting people and having real conversations with people and you actually understand your constituents. Yes. You, 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 you understand them. You know their plight. And you can relate. And they can relate to you. So, so, yes. so Larry, in studio also, we have my co-host here, Aisha Kreutz. You know Aisha, don't you? How are you, Aisha? I'm good. How are you? Good. Keeping yourself, uh, what, are you, what are you working right now, 16 hours a day? Um, when I sleep. <laughs> yes, when I sleep, I work 16, spend four to six with my family, and sleep two to four in that area. I rarely sleep now, but... It, I, look, I knew what I was getting myself into. I've done this before. However, I didn't think it would be so tough. This is the toughest one I've, I've done. This well, was very hard for me. So a uh, couple questions. A, um, well, I'll just start with that one. Why, why is it the toughest one so far? I didn't realize how hard the mainstream would come after me. Right, That's because the, you're being affected. When I ran Larry. in 2018, I think I was new to them, and they kind of just let me go. Okay. And I did well enough. And then I did the crazy thing is I didn't give up, is that I decided to keep going and run again. I 
I crossed the entire state in 2017 and 2018. I hit every single county. And then I decided to do it again and keep going. And then we actually had 107 Libertarian victories in 2019 after I got party status for the Libertarian Party in 2000, sorry, 2018. And then when they removed ballot access, they got rid of us and said we can't be in the ballot anymore. I just assumed that we'd be able to get it back. I didn't think they'd fight so hard, but they really wanted me off the ballot. They literally sued me in civil court. The Republicans and Demo- and I'm sorry, and conservatives did not want me on the ballot. When I went to them earlier on to say, hey, let me run in your primary as a libertarian, they told me no. And they threw thousands and thousands of dollars at me to, to, to punish me. And I was surprised how hard they would do it. I think that was the biggest shock for me. I bet. And the second piece, I think, is looking at the average Republican across the state is them still believing that their party was actually trying to help them and hadn't already given up. And the Republican Party in this state has already given up. They're just taking the money to lose and they're not trying to actually win. If they were trying to win, they would have... They would if have they won. Cared about, if they cared about democracy, they would have had a very easy primary and included me. If they cared about democracy, they would let me on the ballot. If they cared about winning, they would have picked a candidate who could win in a state that's three to one Democrat to Republican. They didn't do any of that. And, and okay, that so, is, that's fair. It is. Um, but, oh, go ahead. I, uh, can I add to what he said? Because, mm-hmm. you know, it, and I know we're, we're and, and, and I agree. Oh, my gosh, do I agree. However, you know, I do want to point out that a lot of what you're dealing with this year and a lot of the reasons why for the first time, I guess, since 1946, there's no third party candidate on the ballot this year is because Cuomo went Correct. ahead and made not just a tweak or two, he significantly changed, making it almost impossible for there to be a third. I mean, talk about anti-democracy. Talk about, I hate America and I hate the Constitution. Why don't you tell us about that? What, what did he change? Yeah, look, the reality of it is, is there's two things people aren't talking about. It's very easy to beat up Cuomo because he's a bad guy. And I agree, it's just very easy to beat him up. Absolutely. He deserves everything, right, that you throw at him, 100%. But in this case, there are two other people or groups that we're not talking about and issues we aren't talking about. The Republicans were okay, too. Mm-hmm. They're suing people off the ballot. They're the ones who are they're jumping on board also. So, yes, Cuomo is the one to blame, 100%. But the Republicans didn't stop. And here's the worst part. Judges didn't either. Right. Judges should have seen this as wrong or bad. The people who are supposed to check the legislature are the judges. And they didn't. We lost nine separate lawsuits trying to get rid of this when literally nobody else made it as a governor candidate except for the two major ones, proving that it is impossible. A multimillionaire could make it. A sitting congressman could make it. I could make it. And I've done it before. So it's obvious that it's unconstitutional or wrong. Yet all of our judges went, eh, whatever. They didn't care. But here's the issue people aren't talking about. What I think, the reason why everyone's concerned. Within a month from now, New York State is now going to start paying for elections. They put away about $100 million to give to people who are running elections. Oh, my gosh. It only goes to people who are parties. What could possibly go wrong So all that money now is going to be going to the grifters in the Republicans, Democrats. They didn't want anybody else to get that money. And no one's speaking about that. That's the real reason why they're so aggressively throwing people off the ballot. 
They only want that money to go to their grifter class. So, so tell me. The problem me. is many people aren't giving as much money as they used to give because they feel in New York State that why bother? It's broken. A lot of people aren't even voting. They don't care. And that's a fact. So how are these grifters going to get paid if people aren't giving money voluntarily? Oh, we'll tax them. And we'll mm. still get mm. our cash <laughs> for our grifter class. And we'll still run elections as if they matter. And yep. nothing will change. And they'll control, which is what you see in many of these fake democracies like... Well, like Venezuela. <laughs> or the Ukraine. Or, yes. or the Ukraine, exactly. Yes. So, so Larry, you're, you are running for governor now, though, correct? You're, you're running as a write-in candidate. Yep. So, so tell us how that experience is. I mean, that's got to be probably the toughest job uh, that, that any candidate could have. Absolutely. The, and the saddest part is, last December, before I even announced, I was... Polling at 6%. That is amazing for an independent candidate who hasn't even announced yet. So I know there are thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who would like to vote for me. But the problem is if you add on top of the media blackout, the social media shadow banning that I get, most of those people aren't going to hear me. So they're not going to know to write me in. So when they get the ballot and they want to check my box, I'm not going to be there. So I not to spend extra money and time to say, look, write my name in. And that's, that's even harder. I agree. It's, it's tougher. And if I'm able to get the 180,000 write-in votes, then I'll be able to have a party, the only independent party in New York State. There won't be any others. And that means we can create a coalition against the establishment. And now people who want to run locally, who aren't establishment candidates, will be able to get on the ballot. And, they, and the two major parties know that. And that's why there's the blackout. It's very hard. People think that if you're not on the ballot, you're not valid. That's what people believe. And the p- two major parties know that. That's why they do it. So, in reality, though, if people write me in, that's a valid vote. But it feels like it's invalid. So it's very hard. You're totally correct. So, so, so Larry, let me just ask a question. Now, the, there's all these technical strictures that have to do with write-in ballots, right? I mean, for example, your last name is spelled with an E, S-H-A-R-P-E. Mm-hmm. The tendency is going to be for people to use the more common spelling. That disqualifies that vote, does it not? It, it, in theory, it does not. There is a, a law or rule. I don't remember if it's an election law or if it's a BOE rule. But there is a statute, I'll say that. That says the in, the intent of the voter does matter. Yeah, the intent. It's got to so be. So the question is, though, will the BOE actually abide by that, and will judges agree by that, and then will Republicans literally send people in to try to fight every single write-in vote? And yes, they will. So I will have to find volunteers to fight back to look at every single vote. So yes, to your point, even assuming that I make the hundred thirty thousand write-in votes, I'll still be fighting in court and needing volunteers to stop people because they will not want me to be on the ballot. You're correct. And at LarrySharp.com, they can they can go and they can volunteer. So let's talk a little bit about issues. You know, this is, Aisha, is it this week or, or today that marks a year that the hospitals told your family to make their peace? And, and, and this kind of is going to take us into one of the points that you make on your website. One of the things you stand on is medical freedom, is, is, is people having the choice yes. uh, uh, like it used to be. I mean... I mean, I, I remember doctors coming to me, giving me options when my dad was in the hospital uh, and having discussions yep. about what we can do for his. And then we make the decision, not 
some yes. arbitrary decision and that the court. But I, I don't know if you know, but Aisha, share with our listeners what, you know, what am I talking about? The, the year ago, you almost died. Yes. So, well, this time frame right in here is about a year that I was fighting for my life on the ventilator in a Highland wow. Hospital, um, have, you know, with COVID. And, um, yeah, they had basically told my family, my mom and everyone, they came in just to say their goodbyes because um, they said that there was, you know, that, that I was done. My husband had to sue the hospital in order to get me the ivermectin treatment. And uh, thankfully, he won uh, in that suit. Wow. I was one of the last people, actually, in, in that particular way uh, to win the suit. And then they changed the, the rules again. Um, and they wouldn't even administer the ivermectin to you, right? Correct. That's, yeah, that was, that's what they were. That's what the suit was, is uh, they wouldn't even they consider wouldn't prescribe it. it or they wouldn't prescribe it, it. And so he had to go and sue ivermectin and zinc um, in order for me, for me to get that. And especially because I was on the ventilator, they had to administer it to me and um, they wouldn't. So uh, we got a doctor and um, he sued. Uh, the Larigo group is who did it. Thank you so much. Um, and, you know, we won and, and within... Uh, a week, I was off of the ventilator. You were home in a week, I think. Wow, a little bit, a little bit longer than a week, but uh, less than two. Yeah, yeah. I want to say I was, I was. My husband kind of he knows all the particulars, but it was about a week um, after I started getting the ivermectin that I was off the ventilator, out of ICU, and maybe like three days later, I was, I was home. Um, and again, they, it's something now, you know, like even thinking about it, it's kind of weird, right? Well, it's really but, weird because they basically told your family, hey, she's going to die. Make your peace. Um, and your family said, wait a minute, there's another alternative here. I'd like you to take a look at it, especially if the alternative is death, right? right. She's going to die. So at least give me a chance here. Nothing. They literally said, nope. Yep. There was no. Um, and, and this yep. is the reason what people don't understand. That's the problem with government care. Yep. Right. When when Governor Kathy Hochul says, my number one job is keeping New Yorkers safe, I would ask her, great, where was that in the Constitution that's in your job description? It isn't. Where is that in the oath you took to be governor? It isn't. We as New Yorkers have just accepted that as true. This is our fault. She says, my job is to keep you safe. She literally says, my job is to be your mother. That's what she's saying. Oh, my number one job is she to be your mom. And yeah. we just go, okay, when there is literally no evidence of that being true. Literally, I could jump yes, on a, right. a bus and the bus driver then goes, hey, everybody, look, it is my number one job to teach you all Chinese. No, dude, drive the bus. <laughs> your job is not teach me Chinese. Drive the bus. And he's like, no, my number one job is to teach you all Chinese. Dude, drive the bus. Right. I'm and on the bus. So, and, Do your job. And, and the crazy, I would like to tell the governor that. Stop and, and, being my mom. Be my governor. Right. And the crazy part, too, I think that – and I think why so many people kind of let that go. I mean, there's a lot of people fighting back. Don't get me wrong. But is because, mm -hmm. you know, people – safety is an illusion. You know, there's no such thing. Yes. Right. And – People want so much and, and something when COVID comes, right? It's like, oh, hey, death is at my doorstep and it's so imminent. And that fear allowed people to just completely take everything that they believed in and shoot it out the window 
because of the fear of death, because of that idea that somehow they could remain safe from something. And it's just it's just not true. Well, they, they love scaring us. That's that's their that's yep. their number one. Right. Yeah, tool. Because afraid Americans always make bad decisions. Yeah, right. Afraid people always make, right, make bad decisions. You know, I used to be a tax collector with the IRS. And, and I, I was a, a revenue officer, the, um, the guy that went out and knocked on your door. And I knew hey. there was something that made me suspicious <laughs> about it. I knew it. I used to clear tables, at least. Real quick, we were at an event once. This was years ago, obviously. And, and I sat down with my wife and I, and they asked what we did for work. And I told them what I did for work. And. And my wife said what she did for work. And literally, <laughs> the like, within the, the last IRS 20 team. minutes, the, the table thinned down. <laughs> no, I wonder why. I, <laughs> no exaggeration. Um, anyways, I, I bring that up because one of the things that they teach um, revenue uh, IRS agents, because unless you're law enforcement or part of their TIG, part of their cop force, you don't carry a gun. But yet you got to go tell mm-hmm. someone that you're going to take their, you know, their second home or their business or, or something. Um and they teach you how to put fear in them. Your whole tactic yes, really? is, is scaring them through through letters. Yeah, you know, you've, I'm sure all our listeners have read a t- uh, an IRS letter. They're, they're, even their nice letters are scary. But but that's the tactic. We don't we, we can't do anything other than smile and scare the heck out of them. And that's the training <laughs> yep. that we got as uh, as auditors and and as revenue good, officers. Good cop, bad cop, right? Good cop. Well, they were all bad cops. Well, uh, Obama, <laughs> under Obama, there was a, uh, a nicer and gentler IRS. So, so we had to do it with Unless a smile. That was the directive. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Unless you were conservative. Although, you know, we have a directive not to go after fraud uh, if found in churches, or at least when I was there, uh, churches and nonprofits that are, that are funded um, by the feds. You, you couldn't bring wow. up. Why, why am I not surprised? Yeah. Anyways, Larry, I apologize. Uh, uh, you know, I wanted to share that because we talk about scaring people. You see what Hulk was doing, and that's exactly oh, what right. the government does. People, that's that's how they continue to divide. That's how they push this uh, this agenda on black and brown people, especially. That's yep. how they keep third parties out. You know, you hear the rumor. Listen, yep. I've invited every candidate to this show, all of them, all governor candidates. You responded. Yep. You know, it, and, 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 and every candidate that's come on here, you know, these are, are candidates that are candidates of the people. And, and they respond, why doesn't, why haven't anybody else? Why isn't Kathy Hochul here? Because they don't have to, right? Because they don't have to. There's a story that um, Republicans and Democrats tell each other when it comes to debating. You'll see that um, the Zeldin team will go, oh, Kathy Hochul's scared to debate me, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's not that she's scared to debate. That isn't right. the issue. There's just no value in her debating. That's the issue. There's right. no value in it. If she thought there was value in it, if she thought she could raise money off it, if she thought she had any chance of doing something better, she would do it. But right now she knows she's going to win by at least 10 points. She's aware of that. So she's like, why bother debating? There's only downside for her. Now, I'm not – obviously, I'm not a Kathy Hochul fan at all. I'm just saying the logical piece behind it. The reality of it is I know because for 2018, there was official debates. I was in them. It was me, the Republican, the Green Party, and the Sam well, Party. We debated. Cuomo didn't show up. Why? Right, and, and he knew he was going to win. Cuomo was not afraid of us. Cuomo is a monster. He's not afraid of us. Right. And he didn't I think, show up because why bother? I have other things to do. And he won by twenty-five points. He was right. Right. And that's the issue. They don't show up because they don't care. That, that's, that's the real reason. Actually, what I'm saying, Peter. Right. That's what I was going to say too. Is it's it's not only that they don't have to because even you know just because. 
I can doesn't mean I should. And just because I don't have to doesn't mean I shouldn't. Right. And if you were for right, the people, yes. then it was then it would be something that you would want to do because you would understand this constitutional republic that we have. But we do have to um, hit a break really quick. OK, so we're going to come back here on the Voice of Liberty, WYSL, 1040 AM, 92.1 FM and 95.5 FM. Hope you will catch us back. Uh, after this break. Yes, we'll be right back here on the Next Step Show. Larry Sharp, you're not going to hear anything for a couple of minutes because of the studio that we're in. Uh, you only hear our microphones. Uh, but the show continues in just a moment on the WYSL stations. Demo Vasquez, candidate for Monroe County Family Court Judge. As a teen mom, I worked my way through college, starting at MCC, then earning my bachelor's degree from SUNY Brockport. I attended law school at New England School of Law in Boston. I have been an attorney for more than 18 years and have handled every type of case that would come before me as a family court judge. I participate in the assigned counsel, attorney for the child, and pro bono attorney programs. I have a passion and a heart for helping children and families through difficult situations. Family court cases cannot be handled with a one-size-fits-all approach. Each case is unique. I understand the complexities of the family court system and the emotionally driven challenges of family court cases. And I will always remember that I am dealing with the most important thing in your life, your family. I would be honored to earn your vote on November 8th. Paid for by the committee to elect Christine Dimovesca. 87,000 new IRS agents are coming after small businesses and the middle class. We need your help putting the Internal Revenue Service out of business for good. We need to find candidates who will promise to work towards replacing the income tax with a fair tax. If you're willing to make phone calls and meet with candidates in person to secure their support for the fair tax, contact Fair Tax New York at 585-944-0588. Make a difference. Call today. Hi, this is attorney Christine Demo Vasquez. For more than 18 years, I've provided quality legal services tailored to the unique needs of each of my clients. I take the time to educate my clients about the law, explain the legal process, listen carefully, answer questions, and keep my clients informed throughout the process. An attorney who understands the complexities of the family court system, call attorney Christine Demo Vasquez at 585-427-0675. 585-427-0675. Next Steps with Peter Vasquez and Aisha Kreutz on the WYSL stations. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Next Step show where we talk about issues that take us to the next step, where we bring on guests who can help us get to the next step by telling us how they did it. And today we have Larry Sharp. But before we get back to you, Larry, I just want to remind our listeners that the Next Step show is hosting, or not just hosting, we are sponsoring a harvest party on October 22nd over at Tropics on Lake Avenue. You don't want to miss it. It's from 5 to 10. On October 22nd, DJ Day from Sound Memories will be there. Ladies and gentlemen, join us that evening for an evening of unity. That's right. It's going to be like a cultural explosion. Uh, Again, a lot of the things that, you know, bridge building, uh, unity, 
and uh, really a morale boost as well. Absolutely. Uh, the people that wanted to put the uh, party on were like, hey, we need to do something fun. And as well bring it, you know, uh, this DJ, he's really great. Um, no matter what type of music it is, you're going to come in. You can. We're going to put all of it all together. Come out, meet me and Peter, a whole bunch of other people. Make it a date night. Um, Just make it a fun night out by the beach. That's right. You know, you can dress up or not. It's all up to you. We're going to have silent auctions, 50-50 raffles, and uh, support a good cause. And that good cause is the Douglas Leadership Institute, which is doing phenomenal things throughout this country, um, especially as it pertains to... And in New York, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Well, what are they, what's their biggest focus at the Douglas Leadership Institute? Oh, man. Well, I mean, again, a, a lot of the conservative issues that uh, we do talk about, um, actually, we just they just uh, did their forward justice movement. So it's criminal justice reform, common sense criminal justice reform, uh, everything from going and and, and training up faith leaders to speak out in the marketplace and how all of that really can impact us and change our culture. That's that's really it. You know, building up leaders, Douglas Leadership Institute, who's Frederick Douglass? You think about um, a lot of the things that he did, right? The power of speech, how it is that you can go and use your life to impact the culture around you. And so we help uh, train people up in order to do that. Frederick Douglass, a local hero, not yeah. for not for anything other than who he was, uh, Mr. Sharp, uh, or, or, or gubernatorial candidate <laughs> Larry Sharp. Welcome back. Have you pronounced heard, it uh, right? Nicely done. <laughs> have you heard of the Douglas Leadership Institute or the Frederick Douglass Foundation? To- I have not. It's sad for me. I wish I had. Oh, I, I literally have a picture of Frederick Douglass on my wall right behind me. Yeah, you know, here in Rochester, they celebrate him quite a bit. But the the, the part that they leave out, and and they done it, they've done it in all the Frederick Douglass celebrations. The part that they leave out is the fact that Frederick Douglass was a man of faith before anything, and every and he talks about it in all his autobiographies from from the day uh, and the courage that it took to go from where he was um, to to where he to where he was when he passed. Right, took. He says it. It was his faith that gave him the courage to get through it all. So, Larry, I wanted to ask you, though. I I, I think he is he's I think if you look at what he wrote, he very often speaks that way. But what I what I like about it is he speaks about it in a non-denominational way. Right. It's it's the relationship with Christ, not not a correct. Not not a he, he doesn't promote any religion anywhere. Correct. But. And that's a good point, Larry, because the biggest thing that I want people to remember, too, when it comes to that is, you know, it's it's not about some 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 doctrine or top down political type of of faith that Frederick Douglass followed. He followed his heart. He had an encounter. He met Jesus. He yes. met Jesus. Correct. So, was... But Larry, tell me a little bit about uh, I'm going to talk about some of the things you got on your website, right? What what is it that makes you different than every other candidate? And and I mean, I wish we had a three hour show because I mean, from what you've done, from what I've read about you, we can probably talk for the next four or five hours. But one of the to be clear, if someone cares, you can actually go to my YouTube page. And just this last Monday, I literally sat and did eight hours straight of policy speech. Uh huh. It's right there, eight hours straight. So you said four? 
I got you beat. I can do eight hours straight of policy. Well, I was trying to be modest, but yes, after reviewing and researching for this show, we could probably sit here for a long time. I agree. And I did watch some of yes. that video. I have to admit, I didn't sit for the entire thing, uh, but just because. Okay, we're... I forgive you. What, what's the, uh, <laughs> so where could they watch? You said your YouTube channel. What would that be? You could just go to uh, Larry Sharp YouTube page. Yep. It's also on my um, Facebook page, if you go to Facebook, Larry Sharp Facebook. And it, everything's just Larry Sharp. I'm on all the interweb things, yep. all of them. <laughs> and, and if Twitter you go, to Twitch, all if, of them. If you go to LarrySharp.com, he's got links to all those uh, to all those there as well. But, you know, one of the things on your website, one, under your... Under your uh, your issues page, or, or, right, is uh, you do you. Now, that's not yes. something that you hear too many people running for office. And after I read that, I was thinking, wow, that's an interesting uh, uh, concept where uh, uh, people can just do whatever they want almost. Is that what you mean? And, and let me back up a little bit. A couple of shows ago, Aisha and I talked about liberty what? and freedom and what the difference is. Yes. And I, and, and I think after I read that, that's kind of what you were describing, the difference between liberty and freedom. And I thought maybe you could elaborate, uh, uh, elaborate a little bit more on the you do you policy that you have. So let me touch two pieces. I'll go back to what your, the issue we talked about before, and then I'll go in general. The specific issue of our health, right? Both of my parents passed away because of cancer. One, my father was younger. He was in his 40s when he died. My mother was older. She was in her late 60s when she died. And when my father got cancer, he wanted the doctors to do anything possible. Cut him open, give him chemo, whatever is the issue. Let me live. I want quantity of life. When my mother was passing... She had already my, my kids, she had grandkids, and she wanted to spend time with her grandkids. And she said, if you do anything that means that I won't be able to go spend time with my grandkids, just let me go. I want to be able to have quality of life to spend time with my grandkids. That's all I care about. So my mom cared about qual quality of life, my father quantity of life. And when I ask, which is the right answer? They both are. You own your life. You get to decide how you live that life, and if you care about quantity or quality. And whether I agree or disagree is fine. I can say something and try to influence you, particularly as a family member, but I have no right to stop. I had no right to my father. No, I want to play baseball with you. Die early. I had no right to, say, to, to stop that. Could I have said that as a son? Sure. I, have, I, I still have freedom of speech, but I have no right to stop them. And I think that works with all your health issues to include, to your point, what you put in your body when it comes to COVID. It doesn't matter. You own your own life. In the case when COVID first hit, I have two people in my life who are you know, the worst demographic. They were both over 80 with pre-existing conditions, both of them. And I was worried. Both of them are churchgoers. And I asked both of them. I was scared. I was like, you know, if you, you don't have to go to church, you know, you don't have to. If you can do something online or something, I would feel safer. That's what I said. And I was lucky. Both of them said, you know what? You're right. We won't go. But here's the reality of it, Peter. If they had said, Larry, I still want to go. It's my faith. It's my culture. It's what makes me get up in the morning. Can you please drive me? I would have. Because it's their life. And okay. First Amendment isn't only about freedom of speech. It is. But it's also about freedom of religion association, petitioning your government, 
and every other form of expression that we want. So we have to let it happen. And that's why you do you is so important. And and Now, let me now go to the larger picture. If you look right now, I'll give you a specific thing happening. Crime. The Kathy Hochul has done what she's done. Lee Zeldin's running and he's saying, that's it. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, when I, as soon as I win, I'm going to fire the DAs who aren't doing what I want them to do. That is just one form of tyranny over another. That it is. The right answer, a libertarian answer, is not to fire the DA, but to allow local people to recall their DA. If the local people don't like their DA, get rid of them. You should be policed as you see fit. And if you think about this, he's going to fire the Manhattan DA. That's going to matter to 95% of New Yorkers? No, most New Yorkers don't live in Manhattan. Why do they care? It doesn't help them. That's virtue signaling. That's tyrannical actions. It means nothing. Instead, allow people to recall their DAs who don't do the job that they want. That is a libertarian answer versus a conservative versus um, progressive answer. So so how does that apply to to, to freedom and liberty, Larry? I mean, the difference between the two, we believe, we, I mean, we explained in the show that liberty is, is, is freedom uh, confined within the rule of law. And, yes. and, and freedom is, I mean, I guess true freedom, Aisha, like you said, and explained to our listeners that freedom is, is true freedom is anarchy. True. But so, what so I would where's say that balance in the libertarian? Is I would say it is, what you want to have is, is, to the best of your ability, you want to have a voluntary society. Right. To the best of your ability. The Correct. reality of it is right now, there's no way that you could have that. Correct. We just can't do that. That's not because of the moral. Do compass. I hope one day in the future we can? That would be amazing. All I want to do is move towards the most voluntary society we can have. But we do need as humans, as New Yorkers, as people, our own culture. We do need guidelines. We do need guide. We need cops. We need courts. We got to have cops and courts no matter what. I mean. If you don't have cops in courts right now, you have a black market in violence in the streets. Absolutely. So we don't want that. Evil automatically comes into corruption. Well, and, and I think part of that, too, is because we don't have a moral compass society at this point. Right. The less the more Correct. we have outsourced that to the government. Correct. And, and, and the, the more moral people, the less laws they do need. Yeah. Right. And, and we have 100%. now, which is yeah. what he was saying earlier. Right. About. Having that voluntary society, and it's a lot of the things, right, that we tried to do at Frederick Douglass Foundation, yes. right, is is that culture war, right? People aren't going to recall their DA because they don't even understand that their DA is doing things that is irresponsible. Right. Probably and, don't know they can. Yeah. Right. Yes. And for the record, we're not speaking of any particular DA, at least Correct. not here locally. Right, right, right. I'm just saying right. that the, the people don't get that, hey, there is something that is wrong. And, and, and our job, you know, again, as a organization or, or, or people is to start having those type of conversations so that we can yes. move to a more liberty-minded So we society. can take the next steps, which is the purpose of the Next Steps show here in WYSL. Ladies and gentlemen, we're listening to Larry Sharp, a, gubernatorial, a libertarian gubernatorial candidate. You can learn a lot about him at, at uh, LarrySharp.com. That's what Larry, the name, folks. I, I'm going to shift the you-do-you a little bit more because... And talk a little bit about women's bodily autonomy. 
Again, your, your, your website, sure. uh, and, and when we're talking about you do you, when we're talking about freedom, when we're talking about liberty, when we're talking about uh, having the option to go out and do whatever you want, like an abortion, um, where are, I mean, where do we stop? Where as a society we say enough is enough? Especially when we're looking at numbers like uh, like in the black community, more than half babies, or what is it, uh, for, for every 100 baby black babies born, 59 of them are lost to abortion. And you compare that, I mean, if you look at it from a race perspective, and not that, you know, not that this number's any better, but something's not right here. Mm-hmm. When you look at it, for every 100 white baby born, 14% are aborted. But yet we've got a, a government from the president's office all the way on down saying that you need abortion because you're black and because you're black or brown. But this is literally Aisha's point of culture, right? I, I said all the time, and people have thought I was nuts, but I was right on this. I am anti-abortion. However, I don't consider myself pro-life because I don't want the government to step in. And people say, why not, Larry? The government should step in. And I say, because the government can't step in. When you outlaw abortion, all you do is punish poor women. Abortion is, without question, a cultural issue. Our best defense against abortion is women not choosing to have abortions. That is the best defense against it. Where, and when you start to I bring the question? hammer down from the government, people rebel. And I warned people when, this, when the, the recent um, Supreme Court decision, I said, this will not be good for New York. I said, you will find people across the country go from being apathetic or not caring. They will shift to pro-choice as a natural connection because not knowing any better. And then once this happens, they will immediately go to pro-abortion because they will see pro-lifers as anti-women. Now, I do not believe it to be true. I'm telling you how it will look and has looked and is looking now. So now if you're pro-life, you're anti-woman. Larry, I just have a quick question, but how does that, you know, because I like the, I'm right with you on the you do you uh, portion of things. How does that then play into you do you if we do not, right, because we do need laws. We we just established we do need laws. We do need courts. There are some constraints that we need because we've lost a moral compass. It's not there, therefore, right? So if we take that and then we say you do you. And there's a baby in the womb that has a life. Doesn't it have the right to do itself too? Yeah, and this I'll go back to the cultural issue. And the example I bring up often is in the in many parts of the country and of the world, there are things called honor killings. What does that mean? That yep. means in a family, if a daughter is raped, I know it sounds horrible. If she's raped, that shames the family so the brother will kill the daughter correct his sister because that's the thing you do and you go oh my god that's terrible everyone knows it's terrible but culture says it isn't so even though clearly logically that is murder no doubt doesn't matter culture says it's not therefore it isn't and what i'm saying is we have to change our culture and I think the first thing is, is making is, is doing what I thought they did right the first time, which is saying, hey, third trimester, come on, that's too far. You have to go there first. And then you're going to say, but Larry, baby's being killed. I'm telling you they're going to be killed no matter what. I'm trying to fix the future. Well, You've got to go there first, get people to go, you know what? 
You're right. My daughter was born in the third trimester. Wait a minute. That's not okay. Wait a minute. Hold on. That You're right. And at that point, you start to pull people towards what is real hey, and what isn't real. Hey, Larry, real quick. Next, what, what do you've you got to make it to where people don't feel desperate. And you've got to also make it to where this isn't a left-right paradigm. This is a human issue, which is That's what right. it is. That's true. 100%. But we've made it a left-right paradigm issue. Well, the, the left has made it a left-right paradigm issue. But Correct. The, the, yes. the, the, what do you think about the heartbeat bill? Wouldn't that make sense? I mean, we, we, I said, what do you think about a heartbeat bill? Um, what that is, is, yes. is there's no abortions once the heartbeat starts, which is about, what, 24 weeks? I believe? No. It's, yep. um, a little sooner than that? A lot sooner. No, that's, it's, it's earlier. Like eight weeks. It's eight weeks. Ten weeks. Yeah. yeah Just, I mean, earlier. again, it, sometimes you can't detect it maybe till 10, 12 weeks, but yeah, it's about. Yeah, it's early. It's much earlier. Yeah. Is I'm that not against any support? of the bills that will begin to limit it. I'm okay with that idea completely. The point is, if you try to abandon or totally outlaw abortion, all you will do is punish poor women and make more people feel like you are anti-woman. And that's what's happening. Yeah, I, I warn people this. with this. I said it will be easier in New York to get an abortion than it is. Now we are paying people to get abortions now. This, this Supreme Court ruling has not been good for New York at all. We are, we've gone from just being a, an open abortion state to now being a pro-abortion state and literally taxpayer dollars paying people to come here to get an abortion. Right. It um, has gotten worse. This is a cultural issue. If we had, I know, I wish we could continue on this. Uh, you know, we only have an hour, but I would love to have back and just have a whole show just on this Absolutely. because I'm chomping at the bit. <laughs> um, you know, again, with the whole poor person, you know, uh, death shouldn't be a solution to poverty. You right. know what I mean? It, just because you're in poverty, right. death shouldn't be your so, solution. But I know 100%. that we had one more, at least we wanted to get well, through one more. If they're keeping the babies and there's issues in the family, right? One of the things that we well, got to make it, sure is out there dead, is though. resources. Though. Right. Because, right, right but, but then someone yes, like me I mean, should but, be but dead. It's just as simple as this. You know? Why in the world is surrogacy virtually impossible in New York State? Why is adoption so damn hard? Well, if you're pregnant and you're a young woman and you're in trouble, there are literally thousands of New York families who would happily pay your medical bills and yeah. take your baby. Actually, but they can't. It's against the law in New York State. The Frederick Douglass Foundation nationally has partnered with the Kojic Church to be able to do exactly that for women that, that will give their, you know, the, the alternative to... Uh, the alternative to to abortion, but you know, once 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 these ladies, you know, these families, they keep their kids. We move on, and we have some issues. They may have some issues in the family. Then they go to family courts, and we talked about courts, and that's one of the things we want to talk about when we come back from break, Larry. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, on October 22nd, the Next Step Show is sponsoring a harvest party at Tropics on Lake Avenue from 5 to 10 with DJ Dave of Sound Memories. You don't want to miss out. You're listening to the Next Step Show with Peter Vasquez and Aisha Kreutz. And every once in a while, we'll hear even Bob chime in. Ladies and gentlemen, on today's show, we have Larry Sharp, gubernatorial candidate for for New York State. We'll be right back. On the WYSL stations. I'm Chris.
Christine Demo-Vasquez, candidate for Monroe County Family Court Judge. I've been an attorney for more than 18 years. As a wife, mother, and grandmother, family is very important to me. I have represented thousands of mothers, fathers, children, and grandparents. I have handled every type of case that would come before me as a family court judge. I understand the complexities of the family court system and the emotionally driven challenges of family court cases. As your next Monroe County Family Court Judge, I will listen. I will be prepared. I will follow the law. I will make decisions based on the facts and circumstances of each case. And I will always remember that I am dealing with the most important thing in your life, your family. I am Christine Demo Vasquez, and I would be honored to earn your vote on November 8th. Paid for by the committee to elect Christine Demo Vasquez. The fair tax replaces the income tax and abolishes the IRS for good. But that's not going to happen if the current crop of politicians have their way. Fair Tax New York is looking for motivated citizens who are willing to contact candidates and get them to sign the fair tax pledge, promising to push for fair tax if elected. Call Fair Tax New York at 585-944-0588. That's 585-944-0588. Make that call today. Hi, this is attorney Christine Demo-Vasquez. For more than 18 years, I've provided quality legal services tailored to the unique needs of each of my clients. I take the time to educate my clients about the law, explain the legal process, listen carefully, answer questions, and keep my clients informed throughout the process. An attorney who understands the complexities of the family court system, call attorney Christine Demo-Vasquez at 585-427-0675. 585-427-0675. Peter Vasquez and Aisha Kreutz, the next step show on the WYSL station. Suavemente, besame, que quiero sentir tus labios, besándome otra vez. Welcome back to the Next Step Show with Peter Vasquez and Aisha Kreutz. And today's guest is Larry Sharp. Aisha, quick, 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 quick question. And like real long, quick. Long, long answer. No, 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 no. Short Cause, answer because you know, we got to get Larry back oh, on for, okay. and he's got to definitely share, you know, how people can get a hold yeah, of him, what he needs and, and express a little bit in the family court. But in 10 seconds or less, 20 seconds or less, what's the difference between Marxism and communism? Or oh, what are those? Can you, well, can you, can you define him quick? Uh, quickly. Uh, well, communism is basically the application of Marxism. Uh, Marxism, you know, Karl Marx and Engels, mm-hmm. uh, it is uh, looking at class systems, basically, and having those that do all of the work, saying that they need to rise up, take over um, the... You know, it's the bourgeois and the proletariat and and how they kind of fight together. You know, that's kind of where we get those words from. Communism, right, is everybody owning everything together. Is that 20 seconds? That's a short time. I don't know how, you know, communism is the political entity in which you kind of make that happen. And um, so that everybody can own common property together, everybody equal, which, you know, is not possible. Exactly. Right. That, that's, Sorry to put you in the spot. <laughs> that's where a lot of utopia, people talk about utopia. But does, and did people realize that utopia means nowhere? 
That, that's, that's what, you know, like, it's an impossible. It's literally true. Yeah. Yep. You know, like, we, we can't have those things happen. Um, but I think that it's man's way. I think when we look at things like Marxism and communism, it's the human way to get to heaven without right pulling god out of because that's what god tells us things are going to be in heaven right here on earth we have heaven things are going to be equal we're all well we'll each, you know some of us will have territories to rule and reign right but in communism same thing you still need a government yeah. you still have to, there's still going to be a 1% right that's going to tell everybody what to do it's not like it's going to go away nope larry yeah Family law or, or, or family family. Your, your, one of your one of your tabs on your website is family law. Actually, if I can yeah. just read, if, if I may, real quick, you, you say on your website, family law in New York is an absolute disaster. Oh, it is destroying the lives of children, fathers, and often entire families by limiting fathers' rights due to er, uh, errant fo- uh, focus of the courts. You know, my wife yep. is running for for family court judge, and 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 so and, she knows. So, well, that's why she is running. Um, that, anyways, so 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 you're running for governor. Why I have not seen any gubernatorial candidate ever really, I think, bring up the family court in specifically. I mean, it's the most important court. That's where once the it, okay, if a black baby survives abortion, right. And and they're 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 now living and they need resources. Then they definitely should have courts that fully understand family, and 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 move to keep that together. Wouldn't you agree, Larry? Larry, you there? Yes. Are you? I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, look the the reason why I am so concerned about family court and why other people aren't. I'll tell you why I care about it. Number one thing is. You look at prisons filled with men without fathers, Mm -hmm. filled with them. So family court's the most important court because, to your point, if you have better families, you'll have better children. If you have better children, you'll have less people in jail, less problems in civil court, more less people suing each other, happier New Yorkers. Everything gets better with a better family court. So while that seems to make sense logically – The problem is, why do people not worry about it? And here's the sad part. Because they're not a good group of people to support because they don't have any money. Most of the fathers who are beaten up in family court, all their money either goes to lawyers or to their family. Mm -hmm. They don't have any money. Mm -hmm. So they can't donate. They're not a very valuable constituency. Second, if you support um, fathers, the other thing you have is people say, oh, you're anti-woman or whatever. That'll happen too. So it's it's dangerous to do, however, and it's dangerous to do, and you don't have much money. However, what I see is I want to fix this state. I I can't do it with a bunch of broken men, and behind each broken man is broken children. We've got to fix this horribly. It's got to be fixed. All right, Larry. Hey, how can people get a hold of you? How can they volunteer? LarrySharp.com, Larry Sharp on all the interweb things, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, everything you need, Larry Sharp, and that's Sharp with an E, and the E stands for electable. <laughs> Absolutely. Nice. Excellent. And you know, Frederick Douglass, right? He said it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. There he does. I, I took that broken men piece from him. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. Larry, if you're up here at the end of October, please be our guest at Tropics on, on October 22nd between 5 and 10. Thank you. I appreciate it. 
Thank you for coming on. We look forward to the next time you come on. Have Larry, a good one. Good Larry luck Sharp for governor, ladies and gentlemen. Now, free soup with Aisha Kreutz. Well, thank you, the extraordinary machine, Aisha Kreitz here. Good for your soul, good for liberty, free soup. Um, today I want to talk about sour grapes, right? Uh, one time there was a, there's a story about a, a nine-foot bear in the woods eating some grapes uh, off of a tree. Along comes a hyena. The hyena is like, ooh, those look good. He starts eating at the bottom of the tree. The grapes down there are sour, the bear up top is like, man, these are good, juicy grapes. Hyena asks the bear, hey, give me some of those grapes. The bear says, no, get out of here, scram. The hyena takes a couple more of those sour grapes, looks at him and says, man, or not the sour grapes, but the grapes. And he's like, hey, you know what? They were all sour anyway. And he goes off. You know what that means? Some people decide what they want based on what they think they can get from other people. Some have desires about what it is that they want, and they rise to the occasion. You have to decide which one you're going to be. You either are going to lower your standard, or you're going to raise yourself up to the desire that you have. Choose which one it's going to be today. Well spoken. Well spoken, absolutely. Man, your, your, your free soups keep getting better and better. Oh, really? Thank you. Where else? I mean, aside from our podcast, where else can they find a free soup? Um. Well, I am the FDFNY dot. We're posting them there, F- right? FDFNYnews.com. And um, next step show. on the next step shows, we're going to, I don't think we have the blog up and going quite yet. Nope. Our site is under construction. You can see our previous shows there. You can see them at the WYSL, uh, at the WYSL.com website. WYSL1040.com. Yep. Yeah, that's what I tried saying. That's where they, <laughs> they got to get that 1040 in there. That's where the shows are. And uh, we're now on all the major uh, podcast uh, uh, platforms. So you can you know down, download it uh, at your convenience and uh, listen to it anytime you want. So next step show is always on wysl 1040com Yep. And we can put it on the uh, Facebook page. I mean, I guess we will. people really wanted them. I like them. I think they're interesting. So, ladies and gentlemen, again on October twenty second at Tropics on Lake Avenue from five to ten with DJ Dave Soundwaves. We have our horse. Uh, our, 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 our harvest party. Stop by. Check us out. I think it's only like a $10 cover charge, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, $10, keeping it nice and, you know, affordable for folks because unlike, uh, like Larry Sharp was talking about, we're not trying to get $250 out of people uh, because what we want to do is create, I'm, I'm going to use Peter's word here and it's going to make me gag, but um, we want to create synergy, Right. We want our communities to really come together. There's so much brokenness that is going on and people. So it doesn't matter if you're Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, Green Party. I have friends. I'm an eclectic group of friends. And I know that those of you listening to us right now do, too. And we have to hang out more. We all have to come together and just forget about all of the other stuff sometimes and just be friends. Right? Yeah. So that's what it's about. Coming together and everybody just meeting up with each other. And who doesn't love music? There's going to be a cash bar and there'll also be um, limited food menu. They're going to have there as well. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank our sponsors real quick, the Fairtax guys and the law offices of Christine Dima Vasquez and all the others we ran out of time to mention. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to The Next Step Show. Until next time. Niños